Listener Production. Today on Footy Talk, we will hear from Nick Rewalt about his Super Bowl experience and working at ESPN. We'll chat all things St Kilda. Nick's revelations about the AFL class action on concussion. Are pre-season games necessary? And off the back of Jason Castagna announcing he's hanging up the boots, we'll list some other sports shock retirements. Hello and welcome to the all-new Footy Podcast, your daily dose of footy, news, interviews, analysis from the world of footy. On this Tuesday, the last day of summer here in Melbourne, Joey Montagna with you. And joining me every Tuesday through the footy season, or oh, I'm very lucky about uh, this man joining me. I don't speak to him much anymore. He's now moved over to the USA, of course, my former teammate and great mate, Nick Rewalt. Hey, Rui, I miss you, buddy. You lost my phone number. Well, you don't answer when I ring you. That's the problem. I keep trying to call you and it's different time zones and now you're busy and you're working and you've got your suit on and all these things. So I can never speak to you. So I'm looking forward to every Tuesday being able to catch up with you. Mate, it's only because it's you've gone big time. You've had one episode of a podcast and already the podcast has gone global. That's how well you and Dale Thomas did yesterday. You kicked it off absolutely beautifully and Footy Talk, it's now a global enterprise. So let's crack in. What's happening in the world of footy, Joey? Oh, there's plenty happening. Of course, we will get into that. But we want to know more about you, first of all, because the last time I saw you, was you were gallivanting mm-hmm. all over ESPN. You were hanging out with some NFL players and you were sideline at the Super Bowl. I know you're a big fan. How was it? Because give us an update because I haven't spoken to you since the Super Bowl. Ticket off the bucket list, dream come true. The whole week must have been pretty surreal. Well, yeah, it, it, it was. I mean, Super Bowl has been a, a bucket list item for a long, long time. Uh, so to be able to go along to my first one was 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 really special. But to be able to cover it in some capacity for for ESPN was was just it was mind boggling, mate. It was um, I was a proper. Uh, sports nuffy for the entire week. Try to keep, try to keep it professional <laughs> as best I could, but um, oh, it got the better of me. I was asking for photos with the co-anchors and all of that sort of stuff and the co-hosts. So, as hard as I tried, um, when I walked in and I, I saw people, because I've been coming to the states for a long time um, with with Cass family and all of that sort of stuff. So, I've been right across all the the ESPN shows. So, guys like. Stephen A. Smith and Mike Greenberg and Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, I watch these guys and um, love the way they go about it, love the way they they call sport. So then to be able to bump into them and sort of not as colleagues, clearly, um, because, you know, they had no clue who I was and they thought I was a pest, to be honest, most of the time. (laughs) But um, to be able to hang out and, and, you know, get pictures and do all that sort of stuff, it was was a blast, mate. And I think that the... the best part about the whole week was, without doubt, the, the few hours before the game. Um, they hand out these accreditation passes for the Super Bowl and, and it has like a bunch of letters and, you know, pre, half, post. Basically any time you're allowed, all the access, any, yeah. but but clearly defined with when you're allowed to be on the ground. Right. And mine said, mine only said pre. So I'd, I'd almost played a game with this security guard who, who he was on to anyone that didn't have the right sort of access. So 
me and uh, another guy who I was working with, we, we just made it a competition to see how long we could stay on the playing arena for. We were meant to be off 90 minutes beforehand. We managed to be on the arena up until about 15 minutes before kickoff when all of the craziness was going on. And it was it was unbelievable. Just the scale of the event, the, the amount of celebrities were walking through. At one stage, I looked over my shoulder and there was a, you know, a roped-off area where people were allowed on the ground but they couldn't come out, you know, where the players were onto the surface where I was lucky enough to be. And I looked over my shoulder and there was Gil McLaughlin. So for the <laughs> first time in my life, I was actually able to get access to somewhere that he wasn't, which I, I took great pleasure in rubbing his nose in that one. Ah, very good. No, it was awesome. It was a great experience. And great to see you catch up with our old mate Aaron Sipos. You made out like you and him were best friends. You never spoke to him when he played for the Saints, but now you <laughs> now you make out like you were best mates. But it was great to see Sippo uh... in, the, in the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, he couldn't get the win. Yeah, he, that was unfortunate, but what what an experience for him. I mean, caught up a couple of times during the week and, and he just, he was sort of pinching himself like like I was for just being there, let alone playing in, in the game. And um, yeah, unfortunately the Eagles couldn't get it done, but gee, the, the size of the boys, like that Jordan Maylata, the other, other Australian playing in it, he, I can't get over how big these guys are. Massive. They have are you, Have you given up on your dream of playing NFL? You've still been, you still throw the ball like you think you'd well, be a quarterback? Yeah, look, maybe just start at college level, Joey, and we'll see how we go. <laughs> oh, give it a rest, mate. Let's get into the footy because people want to hear us talk about the AFL because there is plenty happening. Absolutely. It's starting to heat up. We have to touch on our old side, the Saints. Get it off the top. While we've got you here, uh, there's a big double-page spread in today's Herald Sun. Mark Robinson sat down with Rossi Lyon, and I loved the start of it. Mark Robinson talk about Rossi Lyon um, sort of rambling and mumbling his way through the interview, which we know all too well with Rossi at times when he tells his stories. But what have you made of the Saints so far? Because they have been decimated by injury. There's a, been a bit of talk over here in the media whether the Saints, you know, are expecting to play finals if they go backwards. You know, is that a, you know, a, a botch against Ross Lyon's name? What are you sort of expecting from St Kilda this season? Uh, look, I, th- I think it's a, a real educational year for the Saints. I, I don't think they're, they're going to play finals. I just don't think they've got the cattle. Um, they're a side that can you know, really ill afford to have the injuries that they've got, particularly to someone like Max King. And But but I think it's it's almost irrelevant because I don't think they're in contention in the next few years anyway. They're, they're going to be paying the price for a number of years of, of ordinary recruiting decisions. Um, some of those people are no longer at the football club, but it, clearly it was a flawed strategy that it left them in, in no man's land. So I think, you know, the, the move to get Ross Lyon is an inspired one. It's a brave one. And, and really this year and, and probably next year will be about acquiring some more talent, but more importantly, um, and and sort of even more important, the results. It'll be about setting standards again yeah. and the standards that you need to exhibit to be able to play finals footy when you actually do have the cattle. Yeah. So, yeah, look, the, the, the win-loss, I think, will, you know, everyone wants to win. Clearly, as a fan, I want to see the Saints perform and, and play really good footy, but it'll be about about the way they go about it. And as we know, you can lose and go forwards as a club and as a team, and sometimes you can win and, and go backwards, and then that was sort of a, a philosophy we had, and I think that'll be the case yeah. with St Kilda because, as you said, I think the next 12 to 24 months is a, is a finding out period. I think what Ross Lyon's job at this club will do is find out which players are part of the solution and going to take the club forward and which players have been part of the problem and have probably been a bit inconsistent and maybe not driving the standards as hard as they should have and and which ones aren't maximising their potential and, and which ones are going to jump on board and, and take this club to where they want to get to. So I'm with you. I think that even if they, they don't win as many games as um, as last season, you can still go forward as a club and get closer 
to being able to be a top four team uh, rather than just being on the wins and losses. I'll tell you what it is, though. It's good for footy to have Ross Lyon back in the coaching fold. He was great with the with the media over the last couple of seasons, but he provides far more value. And I think regardless of who you go for, his press conferences, they are much, they are must watch. Yep. They really are. He, he provides so many great nuggets. So I'll uh, I'll be tuning into the press conferences every week, if not the games. Our former players WhatsApp group, they always send the little uh, clips of Rossi Lyon when he says all his little, his little one-liners. We always get them sent on the WhatsApp. So I'm sure we'll be, we'll be across that and we'll touch on the Saints throughout the year. Hey, just some other news I want to touch on with you, Rui. In particular, Tom Brown last night was reporting that there's going to be a change to the, the front-on-contact rule in the AFL, obviously in light of concussion and how significant that is. And it coincides with a story that's just been um, spoken about the last day or two in Melbourne, that the AFL is set to face a class action from former players suffering the effects of concussion with a Melbourne law firm signalling their intent to go to the Supreme Court seeking compensation. We know you follow the NFL closely. There was a a big settlement, class action settlement, with over a billion dollars settled a couple of years ago. This is a big talking point, as always, in the AFL. You've been, uh, I suppose, a vocal voice in this in previous times. Have you heard from anyone in this legal firm that are looking at um, this class action? Because, I mean, you've been public about your concussions. Uh, well, that's a loaded question because I told you off air, Joey, that <laughs> I have. So you've, hey, walk, you've, you've walked me straight into – yeah, look, oh, I have. I've received, an, I've received an email about about the class action. I guess it was it was inevitable that, that this was going to happen um, as, you know, as soon as one industry like the NFL goes down the path and they're, they're obviously much more uh, advanced in, in terms of that, that process. Um, well, then every league that has players facing similar challenges, I guess they're going to be uh, in a situation where they think they can they can go down a similar path and, and be compensated. And some of those people are going to absolutely deserve compensation. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out given the, uh, I guess, the exposing of Paul McCrory uh, or the alleged exposing of yep. Paul McCrory over the last couple of years who's been the preeminent AFL expert on concussion. Interesting to see whether the 12-day arbitrary number that the AFL came up with stays. Um, I, I think it's a good move. The AFL were always going to tighten the window a little bit with respects to incidents like the Paddy Cripps one last year. Uh, Gil McLaughlin was on record as to saying he didn't like the result. The result went against the the um, ethos that the AFL were trying to implement. Um, it's all history now. Paddy played. He won the Brownlow medal. Good luck to him. It's not, a, it's not a slight on him as a person, but it's just tightening those little loopholes so that I think when, yeah, okay, they want to keep the players safe, but when these class actions inevitably happen and the AFL are challenged, then they'll be able to point to instances like this when they, when there has been a tightening of the rules. Yeah. So um, watch your space. Yeah, we will. We'll keep an eye on that one as we go on. And also I wanted to ask you about, we heard from Chris Scott yesterday. He was on radio on, on Waitley's show talking about uh, pre-season games and just about the intrigue and where the clubs, you know, they need to play lots of pre-season games for their own benefit, but maybe for the benefit of the fans and the competition that we just get straight into the season. Maybe no pre-season games, extend the season. Plenty to chat about. What were your thoughts always as a player in regards to pre-season games and now as a, as a supporter and in the media? What do you think is the ideal number? What would you like to see in the AFL in regards to pre-season? 
Hated them. No, I don't, like, hated them with a passion. I mean, the, the season is long enough and uh, you put, like, well, I, I might have been a little bit different because I was, you know, completely uh, nervous and anxious before every game. So maybe maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. But I think if it's a, it's a, if it's a level playing field and no teams have exposure, well, then... That, that's all we're after. We're after a level playing field. So I, I think the the anticipation, the build up to round one would be would be a little bit greater. Um, you, you're seeing kids exposed for the first time. You know, there's, there's already a huge buzz around players like you know, Sheasel and uh, Mateus Philippou yeah. and Ashcroft and all of these sort of guys because we've already had a, uh, had a glimpse of them. Now, that probably would have happened anyway. But, yeah, look, as, as a player, I, I didn't like them. Um, so I'd be, I'd be just as happy to see them, see them disappear. <laughs> yeah. What about you? They're a, necess- oh, they're a necessary evil. I think you, clubs need to have some. Why? Because, you, well, you need to, you need to see if you, everything you've trained over summer. You need to get a feel Mate, for it. It's and, the longest pre-season in world not sport. Not anymore. They've well, had long enough. I'll tell you what, they're they getting less and less pre-season as they go on. Really, they're getting paid more and doing less <laughs> pre-season, these players, these days. But I think we still do need a couple, Sounds of, like you. couple of pre-season games. <laughs> hey, um, after the break, I still want to ask you a couple of things. I see you've noticed a big divide between the top and bottom teams. I also want to ask you, what the AFL or what we do differently in Australia compared to the US. Just some observations. And we'll also touch on the retirement of Jason Castagna. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button, leave a review or a rating. New episodes every day at lunchtime. You're listening to Footy Talk with Joey and Rui on this Tuesday. You can follow us on socials, Instagram at footy talk underscore pod, TikTok at footy talk pod. Your boys aren't into TikTok or anything yet, are they, Rui? You're still trying to keep them off the social media a bit longer? Mate, phones are like crack. If they get their hands on a phone, try getting it off and it's a disaster. <laughs> so, no, they're not. Uh, speaking of the kids, I want to ask you, what are some of the differences <laughs> between the sport over in the US and some things here in Australia? Because obviously there are – we are chalk and cheese at times, the USA and Australia. You've – as good as anyone to compare the two. What have you noticed? Any differences? James and Will are playing baseball. Will's playing uh, junior varsity baseball. He's six. And then James is playing Wee eight. So eight-year-old baseball. Yep. So imagine uh, South Melbourne – all the kids that want to play baseball in South Melbourne, you don't just go and play for the closest team or your nearest team. You actually go to a tryout day, all the eight-year-old kids, all the coaches go along with their clipboards, their notes from the previous year, and they watch the tryout day and then they go and have a draft. What, they scout eight-year-olds for mini-league baseball? They scout eight-year-olds for mini-league baseball and then they have a draft. So there is no stacking teams and everyone has an equal opportunity to pick each player. But, of course, when it is a system like that, well, then you get then you get the parents, Joey. Of course you, get you would. The parents yeah, you'd be one of those parents Trying too. to manipulate the draft. <laughs> I am not. You get, the, you, get the, you get the parents trying to manipulate the draft. What? So they send their kids along to the tryouts with hollow bats or wooden bats Tampering. so their kids can't hit properly. Tampering with the draft, Joey. <laughs> so... 
This this baseball setup over here is on another. I thought I'd seen some things in junior footy over the past couple of years, but they this has got it absolutely well and truly covered. It is it is on another level. Lots of uh, let's say um, exuberant parents wow. who uh, who all think their kids are going to play in the major leagues. It's unbelievable. But we're off to a good start. We're yeah. we're one and two. The uh, the the West University Wildcats, the Wildcats, <laughs> the Wildcats. We're one and two. So yeah, the Wildcats. So we're we're going all right. That is that is amazing. Well, over here it's all about equality, and you've got to share the time, and oh, everyone's yeah. got to play equal Absolutely. positions and all these things. Not yeah, there, you yeah, actually get yeah. drafted. Were you happy enough with how high your boys got drafted? James wasn't here for the tryout day. Oh. So uh, we actually made friends with the people across the road and he ended up being one of the coaches and drafted James and he's pretty happy because he got a good little sort of sneaky late rounder. Right. Um, which which was good, so. Oh, dear. Well, you just remind your boys that you're a number one draft pick, so they've got uh, some big shoes to fill oh, over okay. in their, their baseball career over there. Hey, back to the AFL and the, the upcoming season, I want to get your take on just a bit of a generic view on, on what you think because I, I've got a feeling that we're on a, on a similar page here in regards to what you're expecting this season. Yeah, well, I just think we're on a collision course as a league this year with the, the the biggest divide that we've seen in a long time between the top eight or the top sort of eight, nine, ten teams and then the rest. I think the drop-off is going to be dramatic and by halfway through the year, I think we're going to have a really, really solid idea of, of, of what the ladder's going to look like because if you look at all the best teams from last year, the top eight teams, they've all gotten better. Yeah. They've all gotten better through they'll, – they'll get better through organic growth because – a lot of those teams are going to be playing kids that we haven't seen before, but you go through them. Like Melbourne will be better with Grundy in the team. Brisbane with, with Ashcroft coming in and Dunkley and Gunston. Collingwood with Mitchell and McStay are going to be better. Geelong, Henry, Bowes and, and Tanner Bruin. Freo with Jackson and O'Meara and a bunch of the kids we haven't seen. Richmond with Taranto and Hopper and yep. some of their kids coming through. The Dogs' back line is going to be a lot stronger with Jones. Lob coming back in, the emergence of Darcy. So, so I just think, you know, of the top eight teams, Sydney are probably the only ones that haven't really added. Yep. But I still expect them to be a, a, a great team again this year. So, gee, look out if you're one of those bottom clubs because yep. I think it's I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I agree. Even Port Adelaide, I think that they'll bounce back and they've got Willie Rioli and Jason Horn francis And it does feel like there are... 10 teams that are all really competitive and can all potentially finish top four. And that we know that's where you've got to be to win it. But then you're right, these other yeah. eight teams have got to be in a, in a really rebuilding cycle because they've, you've got to be able to compete with these top teams. And I suppose the concern is, and maybe that's a little bit of that fear with St Kilda, is if you're not really recycling and, and rebuilding down the bottom, where are you? Because you're a long way off some of these top teams uh, with the gap, as you said, and these teams getting stronger. So it'll be interesting to see whether there is some blowouts. Quick one on, on the Lions because, you know, the season's almost irrelevant for them given where they've been in terms of the home and away. So we know that they're, they're poised to take that next step and they need to take that next step. How, how good a first year can Ashcroft have? Because we've, we've now seen him exposed against men and he just he looks ready. But he I, I don't think he's, he's just a, a ready-made kid. I think he's almost developed himself into a into a ready-made man because you look at him he is quite boyish yep. in a lot of his a lot of his features but he's and I've got sort of some, some inside word on this I've seen him training in in the local gym 
he has got one of the most unbelievable work ethics I've ever seen on a young man who wasn't even on an AFL list, you know, the, the professionalism. So I just think it's a great example. You see kids come in and everyone's like, well, he's he's got a man's body, he's ready to go. Now, this is a kid that's turned himself into having a man's body through sheer hard work at 16, 17, 18 years of age. So how good can he be in his first year? Can he have a Judd, can he have a Judd like year? Can we say now a Nick Dacos like year? I mean, that's the benchmark, I think, in recent time, what Nick Dacos did last season and where he's developed already over this preseason. I think Ashcroft, I mean, his numbers and what he was stacking up in under-18 footy was very similar to what Nick Dacos was doing. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be expecting a Nick Dacos-like season, and that's just scary because the Brisbane Lions are already stacked with talent. And as you said, those Oof. other uh, some additions are going to make them really hard to beat this year. Hey, before we go, Rue, we've got to wrap up. We just want to touch on some other news we heard last night. Jason Castagna. 26 years of age, three flags for the Tigers. He's retired, citing a lack of desire to play at elite level. Caught everyone by surprise. Probably caught me by surprise more so that he's waited till after preseason to announce a lack of desire. Normally it works the other way. You do it before you start a preseason, not when the games are about to start. But uh, well done to him on a on a wonderful career. As we know, you need those worker bees in every good side. The players that do the unrewarded stuff that allow the superstars to shine. And he certainly was a, as a, a really strong teammate. Yeah, he was. I mean, he he played that forward role, that forward pressure role, so beautifully for them, particularly at a time when they had that one key forward. So, um, well, well done to him. That like it, it, it's an incredible career when you stack it all up. As a from, from where he came from to be such an important cog in in what was a dynasty and. Maybe the lure of, of them bouncing back up the ladder this year might have been enough, but I guess it just shows how hard pre-seasons are. That, you know, it just sucked suck the life out of him. Well, let's just quickly hear from Jason Castagna. It's a really tough decision for a number of reasons, um, but ultimately um, I've lost my love for the game of footy. I love everything about this club and everyone here in it, which has been the thing that's made this decision the hardest of all. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts of guilt about retiring now before the season had even started. Um, the thought of letting people down and not being able to just kind of push through to the end of the year. But this game is such a demanding one physically and mentally and something I've given my all to since I first walked in the doors here and many years before that. Pretty selfless from Georgie Castagna there because it would have been easy for him just to float through the season and just get by and, and do all those things. So for him to do that, and they've seen players in the past at Richmond that have retired early to make way for the, uh, the, the hungry group that are there. So well done to Georgie Castagna. But it got you thinking, Rue, about some other shock early retirements? Well, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Ash Barty caught us all by surprise yes. with her retirement. That was that was one right out of the blue. The yeah. you know, best player in the world, considering what she'd done and what she had, uh, you know, right in front of her. Michael Jordan's probably the biggest, isn't he? Of course. In '93, on the, after the, the three championships, Bjorn Borg, as a 26-year-old, after he'd won 11 majors by the age of 26, pulled the pin. But for me, that the, the number one shock retirement um, would have to be our old friend Mal Meninga when he retired from politics and, and he left this little nugget of gold for us. Why are you standing? A number of reasons. Um, I guess throughout my sporting career I've had the, the urge to do community work and I think I've, you know, I've really worked hard on that aspect uh, my 16 years in Canberra. And the thing about that is that I was, I guess, a public figure and I was put on a, as a, as on the podium where I was just a person out there making sure that I was... Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm bugging it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I 
I wasn't sure where. And that was it, Joey. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Beautiful words he, from Mel. He announced he was running for pop for Parliament. <laughs> he lasted about 45 seconds and then he shocked us all. He shocked the world by retiring as quick as he started. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of the one of the best from Melma. It is one of the all-time greats. Actually, relative to, to that, the last uh, couple of hours, we've heard that uh, Kelly Slater, not so much of a shock retirement, but he has announced... How he, old is he? Well, he'll be 52 when he retires at the end of the Paris Olympics. He's going to stay until the 2024 Paris Olympics, and then at the ripe old age of 52, he's going to retire. So there's a little one for uh, Kelly Slater, who's going to hang up the boots. Hey, been great to have you on the show. Looking forward to every Tuesday. We'll be uh, all across the AFL. We'll get plenty of updates from you and can't wait to hear more. So thank you for joining us, Rui. And we'll be back to do it all again next Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Footy Talk. Listener.